Hey Village, it's your girl Tasha, and I'm the host of Womanhood Decoded, where we keep it all the way real. This week, I have an awesome guest, and I can't wait for you all to hear her amazing story of triumph. Jay Wilson is a mom, entrepreneur, social impact speaker, social activist, maternal advocate, and self-sufficiency coach. Woo, that's a mouthful. Jay has created big strides in advocacy for women of color, most notably with the First Lady and Governor of New Jersey as a public speaker and a maternal health advocate for Nurture New Jersey with the Black Maternal Health Crisis. On her own, she has reached over 1,000 women through her in-person events and has created a reputation for her organization that is trusted for its authenticity and support. She connects and empowers women throughout the melanated spectrum to find their power and purpose in their lives. She is the mom of two girls who continue to move and motivate her to create space where women's rights are acknowledged, not silenced. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you so much. Every time I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh my God, that lady sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? You really are though. And I don't know if you want to just share a little bit about how you and I cross paths. I can go or you can start whichever one you want to do. I mean, it's your show, girl. You, It's fine. You can tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, long story short, um, I was going through the very beginning stages of my pregnancy and I just kind of was looking for a community. I had recently moved to um, Queens, New York. And when I moved to Queens, I was just really focused on work and everything outside of motherhood. <laughs> I spoke about that um, on the first episode. Mm -hmm. So anyway, fast forward, I found myself pregnant and then now looking for a community. And when I was doing so, I happened to stumble upon Melanated Moms. And the amazing thing was that um, it just so happened that Jay was hosting an event that was my birthday weekend. Mm -hmm. So I told my best friend, she flew in from Michigan and we attended um, one of the first um, events that Jay had that were, that was like a conference um, for the weekend. And it was amazing. She had speakers um, that spoke about wellness. Um, she had um, yoga instructors. She had, everything was catered. And it was just such a wonderful time to get to know myself on a deeper level, but to also to become a part of a community of women and support. So, yeah, it was just amazing. So, yeah, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> it was. It, it was um, it was the first time. Well, technically it wasn't. It was the first time we did a retreat in the States. So our very first retreat we actually did with um, a sister organization in Canada. Um, shout out to Jessica. Um, but from going through that event, I was like, I have to do this here. You know, I, like it was such an amazing experience. So um, 
we formulated the rebirth retreat, um, which is like you said, like we had speakers and workshops and um, we had a private chef come. And I felt like that, that was very important just because as moms and even just as women, we're always catering to other people and we're not able to ever really let our hair down and really get to dive into other parts of who we are because we put so much energy and emphasis into being caregivers and everyone else's backbone. So, you know, um, I named the event the Rebirth Retreat because I wanted it to be just that. I wanted women to feel that they were reborn. Um, And it was really awesome for you to be there and to, you know, be expecting and for you to bring your best friend. Um, And I always remember her feedback of, you know, she thought it wouldn't be a space for her because she wasn't a mother yet, but she she's found it was just as impactful for her as well, which was always my goal. Like, I want to make sure that everything that we do, not just with that event, but with Melanated Moms, it represents us from all of the intersections of who we are, right? So we're women first, but we're moms and we're sisters and we're colleagues and we're community members. And it takes so much to have all of those hats on simultaneously. But I think the best way to create community is to know like you can you can fulfill all of those roles and you also can lean in and find other people who can fulfill them with you. You know, that's what makes a strong community. And I think that's what made that particular event stand out so much. And it was your birthday. So, you know, (laughs) the the, uh, icing on the cake, um, you know. And I had a cake too, if you remember. And and we got you a cake. So (laughs) that was even better. Yes. Um, But, you know, it was, it was a really good event and it was, it was awesome to also see you um, invest time, you know, in a space that was brand new for you, you know, not just not knowing us as people, but also not, you know, not really knowing like what it would entail for you or how it would impact you. Um, But, you know, we've been, we've been in touch since then and I'm so excited and so happy for you and all the beautiful blessings that have come from, um, from that, that relationship and, you know, building that community with you. And I'm, I'm just very, very grateful and, and excited to, you know, be on your podcast. This is dope, girl. Congratulations. First of all, congratulations. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. It's been a long time coming, but I am just so excited because I feel like um, there are so many women that have um, impacted my life. And um, being that, the world can sometimes feel huge and sometimes it can feel small, but Mm -hmm. I feel like there's people in my life that I want other people to know. And you are absolutely one of those people. So it's like, you are too much a blessing for me to keep to myself. So that was the main reason why I wanted you on the show. And also because I wanted people to know that organizations like yours exist and you are active in the community. Every time I look around, you have a sponsorship, you're speaking somewhere, you're motivating someone, you're hosting an event. So this woman definitely wears multiple hats and she does so with a smile. So that is something in and of itself that I find to be super inspiring. Thank you. So tell me how you began your journey into becoming a successful mompreneur. Um, (laughs) It's a funny story to me. Um, It's going to sound shady, but I swear it's not. Um, It honestly started from my divorce. 
Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, I, I had been married for 10 years. Um, my ex-husband and I were together for a total of 17 years. Um, but um, when, when we decided to part ways, uh, he moved away and I found myself reevaluating, you know, who I was in that moment. Right. So when we first came to New Jersey, I'm a transplant from Buffalo, New York, um, or he and I both are. Um, I was a young girl. I was 20 years old, freshly married, you know, no expectations in this big, wonderful city, um, not really knowing what to do or what I could do. And I found myself 10 years later, 30 years old, two children, a high impact career um, and now by myself. You know, and it was so many things that I was so used to doing with him and uh-huh. thinking that that was the only way that I could function. You know, uh-huh. um, I had to learn how to redefine what motherhood meant to me because uh-huh. I thought it had to excuse me, fit into this traditional sense of you have to be married. You have to live this life. You have to this, you know, all these checking the boxes and right. when I found myself not being that um and not and also not feeling fulfilled in that role when I was married uh, I felt like I lost my identity I felt like I was either his wife or their mother I just but I was nobody unless one of those um roles defined me so mm-hmm. once I you know stepped away from that and got a chance to look at who I was I started asking myself these questions like yeah, who are you? And what do you need now as a mother? Because they're much different than, like I said, that 20-year-old girl who basically just showed up, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I realized is, you know, they always tell you it takes a village to raise a child, but it really takes a village to raise a mom too. And Ooh, you better speak on it. It's true, girl. And I'm telling you, um, I didn't know how to ask the right questions to form the community that I needed. So, you know, initially I went out searching for one and we originally actually started Melanated Moms on the app Meetup. And um, I would go to other mommy groups or groups that were doing things with kids and it just never felt like home. You know, no no shade to any other groups that are out there and they're thriving, but it just, it didn't feel like it really covered the things that I felt like I was going through in terms of my transition. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I don't know what the parameters are to start something, but let's just throw something at the wall and see what sticks. And I did. So I started my group. We probably started with, I think it was like 11 women. And, um, you know, some people would show up, some people wouldn't. Some people sign up for a bunch of things and then they show up or they don't. Um, but we started to, you know, gain a following. Um, And we started having like pretty consistent outings with the children, meeting new moms. And I started asking them questions like, you know, I appreciate you coming and I don't want it to sound funny, but like, why do you keep coming back? You know, like what, what about what we're doing stands out to you more than other mommy groups or other, you know, kid things. And they actually helped me to define what melanated moms really meant not just to me, but for them, you know, so the moms would tell me, I really appreciate that you take time to listen to us and you give us a space so that we can feel vulnerable, but not like ashamed. You know, you give us a space that we can 
talk about these issues of what motherhood looks like and what we thought it was and what it really is. Um, mm-hmm. And you also give us mm-hmm. a sense of community. You give us this place of where we feel like we belong. And you don't make us feel a way about what other whatever circumstances that we have going on in our lives. You welcome us with open arms. So when they said that, I was like, wow, that's exactly what it was that I was looking for. So, you know, uh, in short, I mean, that was long, but <laughs> in short, the thing that I I was looking to define in myself, I actually was able to discover through other people. And it just continued to blossom from there. And I, I think naturally, it didn't seem natural at first. Naturally, um, we started to get into advocacy work and learn more about how that fed into what motherhood is, you know. Um, I talk a lot to people about how motherhood in itself is a form of advocacy, um, but mm-hmm. we can talk about that later. But, you know, right. these, <laughs> these are these are the reasons that I started Melanita Moms and I'm I'm still like in awe. We're going on year four and I'm just like, wow, we did a lot of stuff in this short period of time, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just a lot of things. You've done a lot of impactful things as well. So I think it's good to make that distinction because oftentimes, you know, even in life, we can feel like we're being productive, but really we're just being busy. Mm -hmm. Very much so. um, Yeah, I definitely wanted to make that distinction. So can you kind of speak a little bit about your mission and vision with Melanated Moms? I think you kind of sort of talked about it, but Mm -hmm. do you have like a specific mission um, that you are working towards when you um, coordinate your events? Absolutely. Um, So our mission is to empower, inspire motivate and cultivate moms to really be a better version of themselves. And that is done through self-identification, right? So I can't tell you what will make you a better Tasha, but you can. And you can tell me the things that you need in order to feel that you can thrive as Tasha. And what I can do as your community member, as your sister, mommy, friend, is help you find the resources that you need so that you feel this is a part of the community that I need for myself, as well as the all of the other intersections of who I am, whether it's motherhood, whether it's, you know, um, being an advocate, whether it's, hey, I'm looking for a job. How can I find something that really enhances who I am that also embodies all of these other intersections of my life? I'm Absolutely. Like the motherhood plug a little bit, you know? <laughs> right, right. Who doesn't need that? Yes, yes. Especially in these days and times. I mean, because it's like, as soon as you feel like you have a plan, it's like, you know, here comes the universe trying to switch something up. And it's just like, okay, you know, going with the flow has taken on a whole new meeting. It's true. You know, Post COVID. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, like that helped to really bridge what the vision of Melanated Moms has turned into, because initially it was really just about eliminating isolation and, um, baby, it was about eliminating isolation and um, creating friendships, you know, but it's definitely turned into a vision of creating spaces for moms to advocate for what they want, what they need, and not just find resources, but become resources for others. So, you know, that vision has expanded so much from just, I just don't want to be by myself, or I just don't want another mom to feel alone, you know, into this new space. 
Absolutely. And that is just so inspiring. Like, Thank seriously. You. So um, if you don't mind sharing, um, everybody has their why. And I mentioned earlier that you have two daughters. So mm -hmm. where are you in your motherhood journey? How old are they? Oh, my God. I, I am uh, almost 10 years postpartum. Okay. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my oldest daughter is 12, Nadia. Okay. And my youngest daughter is nine. She'll be 10 in August. And they are phenomenal kids. They they really do motivate and inspire me. Um, it's funny because anytime I do an interview or talk to people, um, I always make sure I make mention like my youngest daughter, she's my marketing queen. She will market the heck out of everything. And she always, <laughs> she always tells me, mommy, when you tell people about melanated moms, you tell them you can't have melanated moms if you didn't have melanated kids. I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> She's right. That is adorable and so accurate. It is. It is. And I, I feel like the great part of that is my kids absolutely see themselves as a part of this work. So they understand from where they are and where they sit that this is a legacy that we're building and it can't be built without them, you know? And that's really, really what I see and aspire for Melanated Moms to grow into. You know, I have all of these amazing um, projections of where we're going and, you know, how we're going to make such um, impactful um things happen for women, with women, by women, um, and families, you know, and knowing like it doesn't stop just at my doorstep. It doesn't stop um, with, you know, my neighborhood or my town or my state. It's wherever we are, you know, and the great thing that I know everyone really hated the pandemic for many reasons, but the great thing that the pandemic actually did is it increased our visibility Mm -hmm. And it expanded our our uh, awareness of how many women really, really see themselves as melanated moms. And we literally during the pandemic, our our membership went up like almost 200 percent, like something ridiculous. Oh, and I, I never would have imagined that because, you know, when we well, pre pandemic, we were doing um, our support groups at the local library. So geographically, if you didn't live, you know, within a certain radius, you weren't going. Um, but when the pandemic happened, we had to switch everything to virtual and we had to really move a lot of the ideas that we had into one um, central space. And since being able to do that, we've been able to really solidify ourselves in several countries. We've been able to um, talk to more women um, and understand their um, their perspectives of motherhood, sisterhood, and womanhood from where they were. Um, and some of those things were still very similar, but a lot of those things were were different. And we all learned how to create new narratives of what support looks like from Africa, what support looks like for a mom in the UK, what support looks like for an Aboriginal mom in Australia, you know, like all of those things were like so amazing to see. Um, but we also saw a lot of similarities in terms of um, maternal health crisis, you know, and and how systemic racism is not just unfortunately rooted in the U.S. 
these are global issues, you know. Um, but we're also creating collaborative ways of mitigating these problems. And we have these women who are serving as brand ambassadors to talk from their lens of where they sit and where they live and say, I understand how to be a, a solution maker or a change maker, as I like to call them, um, where I am because I'm a part of Melanated Moms. And they gave us that structure and they give this to us and we've been able to build a community around that work, you know? So it's just been so phenomenal to see like, this was not my original vision, but I'm, I'm a firm believer, believer that there's no such thing as coincidence and God mm -hmm. is going to open up doors that you didn't even know that you were, you were knocking on, you know? <laughs> so absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So speaking about, um, being a change agent, um, mm -hmm. that's something that really resonates with me in my mm -hmm. life journey, just because of various things that I've experienced, but specifically as it pertains to, um, my work professionally. And when I was working in broadcast television, I felt like I was always putting a lens on the issues in minority communities, as opposed to being a part of the solution. Yeah. So that was one reason why I felt the need to make a career change. So just hearing about all the various different ways that you have found to connect other women and to bridge gaps, mm -hmm. I just find that to be something to aspire to. And I just think that many people that hear about your story and then also hear about what you're doing in your organization will also want to get involved. So mm -hmm. this is just all good vibes. <laughs> thank you thank you um that's so cool sorry go ahead oh no go ahead i was just going to ask you about what did you feel like is the biggest misconception about motherhood that you've either seen or experienced um <laughs> i call it hypothetical parenting oh um, I think, yeah i think the biggest misconception is before you have children, you have this like concept of what your child is going to be like based on who you think you are going to be when you become their parent, right? So mm. it's like, oh, my kid's not going to be the one that's screaming in the store. And my kid's not going to be the one who won't eat broccoli. My kid is going to read books when they're three years old and graduate high school at 15 because I'm going to do XYZ elemental P. And then when the child gets here and you realize they're an actual human being with likes and feelings and dislikes and concepts and opinions, even before they have language, even before they have all of these pieces of what creates our personality and who we are, right? you realize you don't have control at all. It's all a learning experience for you and for that baby right so that hypothetical parenting that to me is the biggest misconception of what parenting is or mothering is you know um i always hold on to that because i i and <laughs> i, I kind of use it as a um i guess like a reference point mm -hmm. i have friends who will be like you know it's their first baby and like oh yeah it's not gonna be that difficult i'm not gonna have to buy that many diapers and so i'm like Oh, okay. Have you ever uh, breastfed a baby after you ate corn? 
Do you know? <laughs> do you know if your baby is gonna like corn? Uh, y- you'll find out when you're changing a seventh diaper in an hour. Like All there, right. are, you know, it's things that it, it may seem very silly, but it teaches you things. It teaches you things about yourself. It teaches you what patience really looks like. Um, and it also gives you an appreciation for life from another angle, right? Because for me, I, I constantly look at my kids and, you know, as they get older, like my children are huge now. Like my oldest is like, she's way taller than I am. And she has all these like short jokes now. Um, <laughs> and I always laugh because, um, you know, you're looking on like Facebook and they'll give you like the Facebook memories. And I'll I'll see these pictures of when she was so tiny and right. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember when you were this small and you needed me for this and you needed me for that. And, you know, and those were in my mind, those were like the hardest moments of my life. But now I'm looking at her at 12 going into 13 and I'm like, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. You're uh-huh. turning into a teenager. But what I realized right. is as they get older, their needs change, but they don't stop needing you as their parent but you still are on this continuous learning cycle right along with them. So they're learning who they are as they get older. You're learning who you are as they get older and as you get older. You're you know what I'm saying? So it's just Right. Everybody's evolving. Everybody's evolving. And it, it also makes you think about the generations before us. So our mothers and our grandmothers, mm-hmm. do they have these same levels of reflection? I'm pretty sure they do, you know. And I I'm I'm, I'm adamant that I can tell you my grandmother definitely would say things like that. Like, I remember when you were four years old and da, 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 you know, and right, right. in your head thinking like, okay, so what? But now as a mother, seeing your child go from four days old to four months old to four years old and knowing how big of a, uh, of a change that little person has, has created, it does something to you. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it is, it is a very big misconception that it's just like, I can just tell them no and they'll understand. Like, what? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that word is a trigger word in my house. Listen, my daughter. Yes. She hears that word. No. She will make a face and throw her whole self down. I'm like, oh Lord. Mm hmm. Like, where did you even learn? Where did you even conceptualize that this is okay behavior? Yeah. yeah. It just shocked me because she was just like this little, you know, baby that would basically just coo and, you know, do little Mm -hmm. baby stuff. Now, all of a sudden, she's stumping her feet Mm -hmm. and she might not be able to fuss, but she will use her gestures and she will look Mm -hmm. so serious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I hear you. I understand. No, you're right. It's funny. I was just recently in Chicago with um, one of my coaching clients. And, um, you know, I'm I'm all like, look, you don't have a babysitter. Bring the baby. Let's figure it out. Like, I'm totally pro kid. And she was just like really hesitant at first. I'm like, no, bring the kid. So her, um, she has four children and um, she has a really large age gap between her kids. Like her first three kids, she had like back to back there, like literally 19, 20, 22 or something like that. And then she has a one-year-old. Wow. And she's like, this little girl is giving me a run for my money. My other kids weren't like this. And I've seen her daughter, like she's not, she's not able to verbalize fully yet, 
but she knows like phrases and she knows like certain things to really get your attention. Mm -hmm. um, but the funniest one was her saying stop, but it was dop, dop, like with a D, dop, dop. <laughs> she put her hand out like she's like, like a stop sign, like dop. Right. And she really mean it. She knows the context of how she's using it. Right. And <laughs> it's funny. But yeah. my client, she's like, she's like, this is why I didn't want to take her out. I was like, why? <laughs> she's being a kid. She's learning how to express herself. She's learning these are the ways that she either gets your attention or she stops what she what she doesn't like that you're doing. This is how she's learning the power of language. Just let her be. You know, she doesn't she doesn't have to be a perfect person. She's growing. She's one year. She only been here for 365 days. She doesn't understand everything, all the concepts of the world. Right. Yeah, I've been here almost 40. I'm still trying to figure it out. Same here. <laughs> exactly. And I'm still like, I need somebody. I need to tag in somebody else. Who is it? Where's the grown up here? Right. And like, you look around like, dang it, it's me. Okay. You know, <laughs> you, gotta, <laughs> you have to right. figure it out. And it's crazy because I already know that some of my audience is going to be like, but you're only going to be 38. You know, you remember math when you do what? When you get to the nearest 10. Mm -hmm. You round up. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. right here at the precipice of 40. Yes. Just to so that the audience knows that I know how old I am. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll be 37 this year. And I tell everybody I'm like 90% of my body is 37 or going on 37, but this right knee, honey, mm -mm, she's about 70, 73. <laughs> uh -uh. I, I got one Megan the Stallion knee. The other one, she ain't, she ain't, she ain't with it. So. <laughs> she's not about that life. Mm -mm, mm -mm. She's like, uh -uh, let down the other knee. That one, she stay up. <laughs> so um, what I would also like to know is why is it important for your girls to see you work hard and to thrive, but also to navigate challenges? And I ask this within the context of social media in that mm -hmm. oftentimes you see just the highlights, mm -hmm. you know, that people want to post or share about unless it's just something that's really dramatic and people are asking for support. Mm -hmm. But outside of those times, typically it's just the highlight reel. And I know I'm guilty of that myself. Mm -hmm. So um, are you the type of mom that you kind of keep it all together in front of your girls and then you just handle whatever needs to be handled, you know, behind closed doors or how has it worked or evolved for you? Absolutely not. I am. I can be a mess. Um, and honestly, I. I learned because I, I used to try to be like this picture perfect mom for them. But I learned very quickly, probably in the first maybe year or two, yeah, probably like year or two after my divorce, um, you burn out. You really burn out. And it was very difficult for me to try to be at all the recitals, go to all the PTA meetings, cook three meals a day, take them to the zoo, do all these 10,000 things, do homework with them, take a shower, brush my own teeth, make sure they're clean put them to bed and read a book. Like it's, it There's wasn't a whole possible. bunch of boxes. In other words, I right. Right. Understand. While still working a full-time job while still mm -hmm. starting a business while still trying to have a love life or an, and whatever that looks like from whatever angle I was at, you know, like I had to, first of all, be real with myself and, and understand like you being one person 
is like it's singular. It's just you. And all the things that you're trying to do is the job of two, three, five people. So right. um, <laughs> you can't give these children this unrealistic expectation of you can do it all at one time and burn yourself out. And that's healthy. I had to stop that. So, you know, I, um, from very young, from, yeah, I had to be two years in, um, I started going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, We did therapy separately and as a family, because there were certain things that I just didn't know how to express to them without feeling like I was failing them as their mom, right? Right. Because I I wanted to be that parent that was able to do it all. And I, at first I felt like I was failing them because I was burning out so quickly. Um, but we learned how to communicate to each other, you know, what our needs were and how we felt when either we, one of us could make a commitment or we're just tired. And this is like, right. Being tired is the thing. That's it. It's like, I love you very much, but I ain't got it. The energy is gone, you know? Um, so going to therapy and sitting down with my kids and actually being open to hearing what they had to say, because that was also something that I grew up with. Um, you know, um, me being from a very, not a super strict family, but my family were from the South, but um, they moved, they migrated North and, you know, they still had a lot of very Southern traditional roots and a lot of things that they would tell me, you know, kids are to be seen, not heard. Um, you know, you do as you're told, that's it. You don't have an opinion. You don't have like, you know, just being silent. And I just remember being that kid. That's very West Indian as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I, I never even had the experience of rich culture and all of these experiences with people who look like me, but are not from where I'm from until I moved to the city, you know, I I never had that experience. So when I first moved out here um, and someone asked me like, well, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. They're like, no, but where are you from? I'm like, "Uh, upstate New York. I think that's what y'all call it. I don't know. I didn't know how to answer that because I, that it's never been, that question never been asked me in that context. You understand? Mm -hmm. Um, But I learned from my, my upbringing how it felt to be that kid who wished that someone would just hear me out and just listen to what I had to say in order to answer whatever question they had or whatever, or make sure that the question that they're asking me isn't just rhetorical, right? So when I became a mom, I wanted to make sure I created that space of comfort for my children. And I always told them, even if you feel like you're going to get in trouble, tell me the truth anyway, Mm -hmm. because I can work from the truth way better than I can from a lie. Because when you lie to me, that breaks our trust. So I want you to be able to trust me with whatever it is that you need to say. And I want to be able to trust you that you're telling me something that I can uh, I can work through with you, you know? Right. And if I need to protect you or if I need to do anything on behalf of you, let me do it because I'm the mom, you know? I right. never want my children to ever feel like they have to be the adult in a situation. And I've, I've also experienced that when I was a child. So those are like a lot of key things that I, I wanted to make sure I changed when it came to my parenting and, um, and not make it look super easy and flawless, you know, cause there, there is this, this like slight uh, rose colored glasses, if you will, that 
some children who grow into adults have about their parents because they never saw them struggle or they never heard them argue or they never saw the things that go along with being an adult, you know? And it, it's not like you have to always be financially stressed or whatever, but everyone has conflict. Everyone has things that just don't go right in some way or capacity. You have to know how to see it, work through it and move past it. You know, if you don't know how to, how to manage those skills, you won't know what to do when you come across it. So, you know, I had to learn that very early on with my children and make sure that that was something I solidified with them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And it's also very practical and mm -hmm. applicable. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that. So Thanks. let's get to the good stuff. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not that we haven't been talking about a lot of good stuff, but <laughs> I am right here at this intersection. So that's why I'm super excited to talk about it. Okay. So Womanhood Decoded, I felt like one of the main reasons I felt called to hold a space um, with this, I guess, particular message was because I felt like you were saying um, I was redefining my vision of motherhood as opposed to the one that I grew up with. Yeah. And so when it comes to dating, Mm. What does that look like as a single mom? Because, you know, my mom, for example, has been married 40 plus years, almost 50 years at this point. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then my grandparents the same way, 60 plus years on both sides. So, you know, me, you know, being a single mom, like my mom looks at me and it's just like there's a disconnect as far as trying to sometimes bridge the gap and communicate mm -hmm. because her... um life reference and my life reference, like mm -hmm. there's really no intersection, you know, because mm -hmm. she went to university, graduated, got a job and then got married. So she quickly checked all those boxes. Mm -hmm. Whereas my life took a whole different other, you know, um, approach, as you know. Mm -hmm. So yes, let's get into dating and what that looks like from your perspective. Okay, so I'm going to be very transparent about this because um, I do think it is very important. Mm -hmm. um, so dating for me is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are a couple reasons that it is difficult. Um, I know this is not everybody's experience, but again, I'm being transparent. One, um, I got married very young. And being that I try to live that life like your mom where you check off all the boxes and you say this you play is by all the rules yes yes mm -hmm. first comes love then comes carriage what, whatever however the thing goes all right I, I try to do all of those things and not that there weren't points in my marriage that were great but there were a lot of things that i felt very uh smothered by and mm -hmm. I felt like I could never be my authentic self um, in the marriage. And, right. um, you know, for however many reasons we decided to divorce, one thing that I did learn after reflecting on it is, A, I was way too young to make a decision as permanent as marriage at 20 mm -hmm. years old. I was mm -hmm. way too young to make that because I hadn't experienced life yet. Mm -hmm. um, and second, um, the things that I went through in marriage really had me questioning 
if this is what marriage looks like, I don't think this is for me. Uh-huh. And I don't I don't necessarily believe that the institution of marriage looks the same for everyone. Right. Um, it may have been my partner. It may have been me. It may have been a combination of those things. But um, the way that I perceived marriage was like ownership. So it was, I can't do anything unless this person gives me permission or I can't advance myself unless this person thinks that it's a good move for me. You know, it was no, um, no level of independence. For autonomy. At all. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just felt very, um, it felt like I constantly had to shrink myself in order to fit in this mold of what a wife is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I constantly question myself like, okay, I know they tell you for better or for worse, but when does the better part kick in? I don't know. You know? So that part was, was hard for me. So then when I, it, it was hard. So then, you know, when the marriage ended, and, you know, I tried to take a break really quickly and, you know, kind of collect myself um, and started to date. I had no idea. I was really starting from scratch. I didn't know what it meant to be a single woman or what it or what all of these new terms were. I didn't know what online dating was like. All of that stuff was really weird for me right. um, so when I fir- when I first started to date. Um, I, I didn't know what kind of expectations to have, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but now here I am almost 10 years um, post-divorce. And, you know, I feel like I figured it out. Um, but Ooh, so give us the cheat code. <laughs> Skip a couple. <laughs> I, it's funny because I've, I've literally been having this conversation this entire week. It's very funny that we, we got to this part. Um, but honestly... I feel like you have to be authentic to yourself first. Um, there's no one that can make you happy or fulfill you or um, check any box for you if you don't know who you are. So, Ooh, you know, however, in and of itself, for real, like, because there's so many, so many women in particular who are told and taught you'll be complete once you have your husband. It's like, no, honey, I need to know how to be complete first. Because I don't want to be a complete mess. I don't want to be a complete basket case. I don't want to be a complete burden. I don't want to be uh, incomplete in any other way. I'm thinking that I just need to stand next to this man and he's going to fill in those pieces of who I am and, and what I need. Um, uh, and if that man doesn't show up or if, you know, these things don't exist, am I always going to be incomplete? Right. So for me, like, the dating advice or the the cheat code for me for dating is I'm just doing it to have a good time and I'm but I am dating with intention so if I want to be in a relationship with someone um I make it very clear like this is what I'm looking for if you're not able to provide that for me I'm totally okay with that we can be friends we can part ways however you you need to you know, interpret that, but I'm not going to compromise that part of me. And I'm also not about to build no man. <laughs> I'm too old for the potential. No, you gotta have you gotta have something else, sir. You gotta add something more than just, oh, I'm potentially I'm gonna be here. Like we all got potential, but I need you to have some type of foundation. And are you working towards it? Are you taking steps? Oh yeah. Have a strategy. Mm-hmm. That all, all of the things, because we all are work in progress, right? Like right. no one comes as a completed 
absolute complete package. But I do believe um, we come with um, standards uh -huh. and we come with um, things that are necessary to feel secure and to feel uplifted in the relationship. Right. As opposed to, um, you know, just thinking that uh, the relationship is going to fix everything else that's incomplete in you. Like, I don't believe that. Absolutely. And in my particular, I guess, journey, what I have noticed is I need to be with a person that is kind of sort of in the same area of life as I mm -hmm. am. Mm -hmm. Like I might be attracted to somebody that's younger than me, or they might be attracted to me or vice versa. And when I say mm -hmm. attracted, I'm covering, you know, emotionally, physically in the whole gamut because mm -hmm. You know, just physical attraction is not going to get it for me. You know, I need more than that. I need to be able to dialogue. I mean, orgasms are great, but what happens after that? You know, I can right, get right. orgasm by myself, you know? So, you know, if we're going to do a group activity, then <laughs> there needs to be something other, you know, that's brought to the table. Yeah. Um, so also what I'm interested to know is, what was your journey like on rediscovering your womanhood and sexuality postpartum? And also, did it change after you had made that initial change in rediscovery? What happened when you became single after being divorced? Because in my mind, mm -hmm. I feel like those were two different evolutions. Mm. Um, well, postpartum, um, I don't feel like my sex life or sex drive at all changed. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my ex-husband and I, like, if we didn't do anything else, we did that pretty well. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, after becoming, a, like, a fully single woman, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I, I just, I had a new appreciation for sexuality and for being open with myself and um, open with... Um, what I want and, you know, not feeling apologetic for wanting, uh, you know, a casual relationship versus a committed relationship. Uh -huh. So, you know, um, I, I feel like that I couldn't have discovered that in my marriage, right? Because it was always a committed um, aspect to it. It's like, I always have to be committed to him. Um, and always have to make sure he's satisfied before myself. So as a single woman, it was, no, I am the first uh, person in, in the satisfaction area here. And, you know, whatever happens after that is a bonus. But, you know, um, yeah. And I, and I also I had to go through a period of learning what was more important to me um, in terms of physical versus emotional connections with people, you know, mm. um, I realized, you know, there is a time and place for when you just need some good old physical touch. And right. I have no Talk about it. Right. <laughs> it feel good. I right. get it. Right. Um, but I do know that there's also a time where you want intimacy and Ooh. everybody cannot provide that for you in the way that you need it. Mm -hmm. you know, um, like I, I definitely have had some people that were great lovers and, you know, I, I can think about them now and just shudder. But when it comes to the things that I need in terms of feeling whole, like feeling seen. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like feeling like, understood and accepted. 
Yes, like, uh-huh. like not just the cute little pillow talk, but really feeling secure in that person and the feelings that you have with them. It enhances anything that sex could possibly do. And Absolutely. everyone does not possess that ability. And everyone doesn't deserve that ability to also um, give that to you. You know, right. I have to also learn that. Like everybody is not meant to, to be in all of those roles um, mm-hmm. for myself or for them, you know. And I had to learn that in, you know, different ways. Um, but, yeah, for me, like understanding the difference between I just need this physical niche. Scratch yes, versus all of that mm-hmm. versus I want to feel completely um, devoured, but in a sensual way. I want you to okay. look at me as someone that's like, wow, like this is everything. And even if we don't have physical intercourse, it's still just as satisfying. You know what right. I mean? And there's there's very few. I honestly, I can only tell you three men that have ever made me feel that way, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing- that's a whole other level, I feel mm-hmm. like, that oftentimes, like, because in our society in general, I feel yeah. like I call it, like, the microwave dating society. Oh, yeah. Like, everything we feel like can be put in and sped and skips, you know, steps and phases. And right. I mean- to some degree, I think that's kind of accurate just because of where we are in life. It's not a whole lot of confusion about what we want and what we expect at this point. Yeah. So when we do start today, you know, um, I feel like dating for two years in your 20s versus dating for two years in your 30s is a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. See, I don't have that experience at all because I was married from 20 to 30. Right, right, right. <laughs> so like all of the all of those like times and things I wish I could have really experienced. Um, but I, I again I don't believe in coincidence. So I feel like I had to go through it to get through it. And right. I had to learn it in the time of when I learned it and how I had to get through um managing those feelings um in the time that I went through it. Um but it is it there is a uh, a big difference. And again, I believe that I got married really young and mm-hmm. I went into it. Not that I didn't love my ex-husband or anything like I, I do believe I went into it for the right reasons. It just was not the right time for what it is that I was hoping marriage would accomplish for me. Does that make sense? It really does. It really yeah. does. Yeah. So, so you know. what I'm also um, I'm sure the guests also um, or the audience, they would like to know as well. Um do you have a particular protocol that you can share with the audience as it pertains to, you know, dating and introducing and or not introducing um, your daughters? Because I don't know. I feel like I've watched way too much Law and Order. Oh, girl. And I just feel like, I don't know, men can be very predatory. And so I'm like, okay, so are you dating me because you're interested in me or because you're trying to get around a child like I think all of those thoughts now and so I'm just wondering like is there a particular safety protocol or something that you do or vetting that you do that you can share yeah um a couple of things um first I'm not my children are not meeting everybody that I that I date like that's just my number one rule like you know I I'm decide that literally from day one of speaking to a person, you know, 
before I even mention anything about my life or anything else like that, I'm like, is this somebody that I would have around my kids anytime soon? You know? Um, But, you know, once I'm dating someone, I really do like to take my time with that because Mm -hmm. um, one experience that I did have with dating someone that I really cared about is um, developing a relationship with my children and with their children. And when we broke up, you don't break up with just the person. You break up with those kids too, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, I think the breakup was more devastating because all I can think about was, you know, our kids called each other's sisters and they really had a bond and they don't understand why we're separate. They just know, oh, well, they're not around anymore. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, so it right. just to me makes it a little bit more devastating. Um, and then also something that's really important to me and some people, I mean, you can agree or not, but I personally like to date single fathers. Like <laughs> I, I, I purposely look for men who have children, not a million kids, but I want somebody who understands the parent aspect of life. And sacrifice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they know what it means to be a they don't have to be a full-time dad but no but they understand what it means to be an active parent mm-hmm. as opposed to like you know per diem parenting like oh you know every other holiday or every weekend you know for three hours like no i want you to know what it means to be a parent are you at recitals are you taking them to doctor's appointments are you asking questions how's your relationship with your ex-wife or your child's mother like those things really stand out to me and if I'm I'm noticing like you have absolutely nothing positive to say about this woman, you you know, you have every excuse in the book for why you haven't shown up or um, you downplay the importance of being a parent. I can't rock with you. That just it won't ever work. Um, I remember briefly talking to this one guy and I asked him I was like, oh, um, do you have any children? And I swear to God, this man told me. Oh, my apartment, my car, my apartment complex doesn't allow pets. I hung up oh, on him. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. I was like, if you think that that's funny, <laughs> let me get off this wow. phone right now. But you know, and he may have, he really may have thought that that was a joke. I, I don't take that, I don't take that lightly whatsoever. So if you, right. if you feel like that's funny, what are you going to say about my, my children? You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's I, that's a real big cardinal rule for me. But to really to answer the question is, you know, I really do believe in taking your time, you know, get to learn that person, get comfortable with who they are um, and then also learn how to out for me. I, I feel like it, it makes more sense to introduce your children to that person in a uh, like a, a kid friendly place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Let's take the kids to your trampoline park. So it doesn't feel like this weird, like awkward dinner or something like, and this is mommy's boyfriend. Like I want it to be something where the kids can feel connected, where they can see us interacting, where the kids can also give me feedback. Like, mommy, I like this person for you, you know? And I've had that where my kids was like, I see why he makes you happy. Or yeah, mommy, I don't know. I don't think he's gonna work out, you know. Because there are because th- honestly, kids see things that you don't see, and right. you know, other things that may, and they might feel things that you don't feel, you know. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and they, you know, 
kids have they have their own set of intuition and uh-huh. things that may be blinding us, whether it's physical, mental, whatever, um, that may not really um, give us um, the right impression of this person and how they will be with your kids. Because at the end of the day, your kids are not negotiable. Right. You're a package. So I'm not getting rid of my kids for you, sir. I'm not saying that this is um, this is this would be a happily ever after. Only if like my kids are not conditional, mm-hmm. you know, whether my kids are with me every day or whether my kids are not. I'm a mom every day, 24 seven, 365, and that's always going to lead every decision that I make. So any move I make, any uh, I do a lot of traveling in the summer um, for my business, and any travel plans I have, I'm like, all right. If I'm doing this and I'm going here, how is this going to also impact me seeing my children? How is this going to impact, you know, speaking with them? How long am I going to be away from my kids? Um, no matter what, you know, the the reasoning may be, I don't ever want my kids to feel that they don't have their mom, you know. And I, and I would never want to be in a relationship with someone who can't understand the importance of that, you know. Absolutely. So um, just to, I guess, sort of change the direction of the conversation again, um, (laughs) as far as like pop culture is concerned, there's been a lot of talk in um, recent weeks about the term baby mama. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to bring up the specifics of the celebrities or any of that, because that's, I don't feel like immaterial to the conversation, but I'm just wondering, like, um, how do you, are you triggered when you hear that terminology, baby mama, or is it something that you have redefined or does it not even affect you at all? It definitely affects me. Um, I, I remember when I was, uh, going through, you know, the not so good times with my ex-husband. And that was something that he said to me, like, I can't wait to treat you like a baby mama. And I just remember how hurtful it was because I'm like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like, like I I understand the context of what he was trying to say, you know, in a hurtful way. But um, it really made me think about why why is it that we have this term that diminishes women in such a terrible way? And I mean, this can also go for the term baby daddy too, right? But um, thinking about moms is like, how can you diminish this person and how how valuable they are to the life of your child, mm-hmm. you know, and making them feel that, you know, you're insignificant or you mattered, you didn't matter to me or whatever, however they, you know, want to use it in the term of putting you down. Um, but actually it's funny. Um, my coaching client, I was just talking about earlier, um, in Chicago, she has this really dope company called F being a baby mama. And (laughs) it's it's, it's so funny because like so many people are like, you need to change the title. I said, no, you don't. It's provocative, but it gets your attention. And Mm -hmm. if you actually listen to her and you understand the, her why for creating it, it makes sense because she spells it F-C-K and it's finding clarity and knowledge and being a baby mama. And her goal is to help people to redefine what that means to them. So just because you're unwed, it doesn't mean you're unworthy. Or just because you don't have all of these 
boxes checked does not mean that you are still checking boxes for those kids. Like mm. she, she absolutely, she is so amazing. And um, she actually created this program called the Baby Mama Blueprint, where she breaks down all of these um, stigmas of how people define what a baby mama is. And she helps you learn how to redefine it for yourself. And just going through it with her and seeing how passionate she is about it. I'm like, girl, do you know how many people this program will change? Like the lives that will really be impacted by it? Because they're so triggered by hearing that and feeling that, you know, you've hit the ceiling of this is all that you can be or this is the only way that people will ever view you. And you mm -hmm. literally change that. You know, you you literally created an entire program to change what that looks like. So to me, it's not about um, it's not about saying like, oh, this is who you are. It's about saying this is this may be where I started, but that's not going to define who I am. Right. So uh, my my start doesn't determine my destination. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for my children. So, you know, my kids are going to see me as a strong person. They're going to see me as a capable person. They're going to see me as a sane person. They're going to see me as a secure person because I'm putting in the work and I'm showing them right. that they're also worth it and they're worthy of everything plus some because we're not going to just be defined by baby mama or baby daddy. You know what I'm saying? So um, to me, it is, it is a trigger, but after meeting her, her name is Tanisha. And after meeting Tanisha and learning how she redefined it, I was like, of course, this is this is freaking awesome. This is this is what people need to hear so that they can learn how to redefine themselves, you know, because some people will put themselves in those boxes and think like, well, I guess that's it because I didn't measure up to this. That means this is the only thing that I can do, you know, uh -huh. um, but, you know, us as women, um, especially as black women, as women from all of the intersections that and hats that we wear, we redefine our lives every single day. So since talk about women, it, mm -hmm. yeah. So why would we let those words completely diminish who we are? Mm -hmm. Right? Why would we let that be our only definition that counts? Like, no. Right. When we have accomplished and done so many other things outside of just that particular designation or title. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to know like whatever words people throw at you. And this can, we can talk about, uh, you know, a laundry list of words that people use mm -hmm. to try to shrink you. But unless you give those words power, what do they really mean? You know? Right. So Absolutely. About it. Yeah. I feel like, um, I think it's also interesting to talk about what we are within the context of being melanated or mm -hmm. being women of color. Because mm -hmm. when I was at the park not too long ago, I was talking to another mom and she asked me something about my daughter. And then I said, oh, I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, um, you mean you're a co-parent? And mm -hmm. in my mind, I hadn't really thought about it. And I was just like, nah. I think I'm working towards being a co-parent, but for right mm -hmm. now, I feel like I'm a single mom. Yeah. And she was just like, oh, well, I'm a co-parent and I just reject anything having to do with a single mom or a baby mama because that's just not me and that's just not what it is. And I'm like, 
Oh, okay. And, you know, being that I guess I'm new to this um, space, you know, being that my daughter's only, you know, 17 months, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm still going to have some growing and evolving to do clearly. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that to me, I didn't find it to be as problematic. And I think one of the reasons why I wasn't triggered as much as some people might be mm -hmm. is because I kind of lived a full life prior to this point. Right. And I feel like maybe if I had um, become a mother at a earlier time and I might not have had the opportunity to have a career or to graduate university or to travel, you know, to various different countries and states and just do a lot. I yeah. feel like that might actually get to me. But, you know, yeah. at this point you know, you can kind of call me whatever you want to call me, but that's not going to affect how I view myself. But right. I feel like that thought process is something that um, I acquired along the way through my experience, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, that exact viewpoint is how I view marriage. You know, I, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I went through my divorce and, you know, I have different views on, you know, if marriage is really for me. Um, and so many people are like, of course, you're going to get remarried. Why wouldn't you? Why would you say that? I'm like, because I'm, I feel like I've done that. Like that was a different phase in my life. You know, it was good when it was good. It was bad when it was bad. But I feel like where I'm going and what I want and a lot of the things that are important to me don't necessarily fit the mold of what the institution of marriage fits for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there isn't a man out there who can help me redefine it. I just ain't met him yet. All right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. just being honest, like, you know, it'll be really nice to be able to share things and and have all of those other beautiful things that people talk about that they say marriage represents. But in my experience with dating and with my own marriage, I don't I haven't seen it. It has not been my experience. Right. You know, so I, you know I, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. I feel like I learned my lessons with marriage, mm -hmm. um, um, but I'm not triggered by it by saying like, if I'm single and I stay single, that's fine. Right. I feel like I've, I've had those experiences. I've had my children. I've been able to experience life before them, with them, and continue to experience my life, you know? Um, and I'm learning what my motherhood looks like as I continue to evolve. You know, it's much different than what I expected it to be. Um, but it's it's still my motherhood experience, right? So I can't tell other people, this is the only way that you can be a mother. Just like, you know, you can't, they can't tell you, like, you can't say you're, you're a single mother. You can only say like, who are you, miss? Like, right. Absolutely. I'm glad you can co-parent right now. It's me. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I can't tell you I, who am I co-parenting with a ghost. I, I, I know what's, you know, what I'm experiencing and I'm okay with it because I'm secure in myself and I'm secure in my motherhood, you know? Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for, you know, seeing that and hearing her, you know, and not feeling that you have to be triggered by her version of what the definition of a single parent really is, you know? Right. And I feel like I absolutely respect the institution of marriage. Mm -hmm. However, as it pertains to my life, mm -hmm. I'm just not super eager to take on the role of a wife and all that entails. Um, 
I feel that I am more interested in partnership mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. <clears throat> ownership. And it seems a lot of the time that when people are married, there is this overtone of obligation that I find to be problematic. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are times in any kind of um, relationship dynamic, no matter what it is, where you're going to have to do stuff because that's what your commitment is. Right. But I feel like that shouldn't be the overriding reason for doing things just because, okay, this is something I agreed to. So I kind of have to suffer through it each day. Mm -hmm. Like, so mm -hmm. that's what my issue is. And like I said, I know a lot of, I'm not going to say a lot. I know people that are married, that are happy, but just as many people that I know that fit that um, narrative, I know um, many that are the other end of the spectrum. So I just mm -hmm. kind of feel like it just depends on where people are. And I feel like um, you were saying just some of the things that I want now versus what you wanted then when you first, you know, moved to New Jersey, you know, being 20 and then who you are now, it's like two completely different people. So right. for me, just to have the capacity to evolve and to grow um, as individuals, but also do so together, I feel mm -hmm. like you can do that and not be married as well. But oftentimes people feel like the two are mutually exclusive. Like you can't have a thriving, happy life and relationship if you're not married. And I'm just right. one, I just don't buy into that ideology. Absolutely. And I think that's something that um, surprises people about mm -hmm. marriage, you know, because they have this preconceived notion that, uh, marriage is going to solve it all and mm -hmm. marriage is going to make all the bad stuff go away. And it's, you know, it's like, that's Ooh, not it. going to put it under a whole microscope. <laughs> right. Right. Marriage is the beginning. It is mm -hmm. not the end. It is the beginning of what's going on in your relationship. And if you don't know, or if you don't have that, um, that level of security before you get married, it ain't going to miraculously appear. Just because right. I do and you sign a legal piece of paper like that's not what it is, you know, um, but, I, you know, I, I respect people and the marriages that they have. Absolutely. And I, and some things are just for for certain people. Um, for example, mm -hmm. um, I respect everybody that loves <clears throat> macaroons. I personally feel like those things are so cute, but they are awful. That's just my personal opinion, you know, but it's no shade to the people that stand in long lines, you know, to taste new flavors of macaroons. You know, I'm just not there for it. You know, yeah. for me, I am a red velvet cake type girl. And that's just what it is. No, of course. I mean, and, you know, all of these things really help us to define us as people. Mm -hmm. Right. And it lets us know that we don't have to be cookie cutter versions of one another um to be happy i feel like know? that's new for our generation i feel like the generation before us they kind of just suffered and grinned and bared it kind of yeah and i'm not saying that everyone that's been married for a multitude of years is you know in this awful predicament but i do feel that the level of transparency and the level of self-awareness and just mm -hmm. the decision to create our happiness and create the lives that we want versus um, 
living a life that is predetermined or living a life that is somehow passed on to us. I feel like that is something that our generation is absolutely reinventing for ourselves. I agree. I agree. And we see that in in so many other ways as well, right? Like uh, the level of entrepreneurship, how much that's uh, increased. Um, We've seen it in our parenting, just knowing like you can be the type of parent that you need to be for the type of child that you have. Mm. Um, there, there was a, I wish it, I can remember where I saw this, but there was like a meme or something that I saw that said, parent the child you have, not the child that you were. Mm, or the and child that you want. Oh, that's an even better one. Mm-hmm. Parent the child. Because oftentimes you feel like, okay, you can, like the child is kind of like clay as opposed mm-hmm. to them having their own, like you said earlier, feelings and emotions and perceptions mm-hmm. of whatever is their reality at the time, um, yep. as opposed to trying to mold them into who we want them to be versus just giving them opportunities to explore and discover and then them becoming who they are and then supporting that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk and um, random opinions about things like, you know, sexuality and identity and mm-hmm. a lot of people feeling that, um, oh, you raised them this way or you have the, you know, all these opinions. I'll just keep it PC there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel like that's something that you learn or that you raise someone to do or to be it's attraction. It's the, it's the same things that make you interested in if you wanted to go into broadcasting versus you wanted to go into nursing, it's Mm -hmm. you having the interest and you understanding that, you know, this is a part of who you are. This is a part of how you define yourself. So no one can teach you that no one can make you do that. You know, it's, it's you understanding yourself and you know putting in um putting yourself in the space of 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 acceptance you know and just knowing like this is who i am this is what i am this is how i define myself either love me or leave me alone you know and as a mom as a parent you know i i definitely know how important it is for acceptance um for myself and for my children i never want my kids to ever feel like they could never talk to me or they or they feel judged by me or they feel that, you know, they're alone or they don't understand who to go to when they're struggling with things. You know, mm-hmm. even if I don't have the answers, even if I'm not in a space of fully understanding what their needs are, I want them to still be able to say, mommy, can I at least talk to you about this and we can kind of try to figure it out together? Absolutely. Right. You know, but um, I know there are a lot of people who don't get to have that opportunity Uh um but i think our generation has this great unique ability to change that narrative and to help our children to become better versions of us by having the ability to choose and to see who they are and to and to have concepts and to have identity um and not feel shameful about it you know um one of the things that I I really, really pride myself on is um, for 10 years, I used to work for uh, this community health center in Manhattan um, that served the LGBT community. 
And in those 10 years, I learned so much, not just clinically as a nurse, but I really learned more about what marginalization looks like Hmm. and how it has so many intersections with um, identity and like who you are, where you come from, what language you speak, what culture you have, um, the way that people identify you, the way that people say that they can identify themselves with you, you know, Uh Um, and, and knowing like, there were patients of ours who, who felt that they had nothing, who felt that they had, you know, the things that they held um, most valuable, you know, their family and their friends, the relationships that they had. And once people um, learned who they were, they felt that they could no longer be connected to them. And that yeah. is a feeling of loss, right? But right. those patients, they really taught me, it's, it's about learning how to, again, redefine yourself and how to know that you'll be okay even if someone who you thought would accept you doesn't anymore you know you can still find your community you can still find that space where people will accept you and and they'll welcome you with open arms and you don't have to do this alone you know there's so many kids that feel that they don't have that as an option but um i'm really i'm really glad that i had that experience um from working there and I was able to bring that into, you know, a lot of the concepts of melanated moms and knowing how important and valuable it is to be that mom that feels seen, you know, so not just being seen as a black woman, not just being seen as a single mom or a married mom or a mom from here or a mom from there or a mom from another country, like just being seen. Right. Um, have all of these other pieces on the forefront to uh, validate me being here, just being here and showing up is enough, you know? Um, And to me, like, that's what really makes a a strong community. That's how you keep people together. That's how you also create all of these new, um, new areas for people to learn, again, how um, parenthood is a form of advocacy, right? How pregnancy is a form of advocacy. You learn about advocating for your baby before the baby's even born right absolutely i did with my doula and midwife Mm -hmm. absolutely when you know when you were pregnant you know you making decisions to change the food you're eating to you know stop drinking stop smoking stop doing things that may have just served you because you're thinking more about how is this going to affect this new life who's coming right how is it going to get me um how is this going to give this little person a, a fighting chance to have a better life. It starts because you're making the the conscious decision to advocate for this person who has no voice yet. And that's really what advocacy is, you know? Absolutely. I could not agree more. So I guess to switch gears for the final time, um, what I wanted to do here is kind of to give, I don't know, a couple tips for women that are interested in sort of following in your footsteps, maybe not specifically as far as creating an organization, but as far as um, bringing entrepreneurship and motherhood and Mm -hmm. how that can be a magical combination. And I Mm -hmm. feel like you might have some insight on, you know, how a mom might find a way to reinvent herself Um, whether it's through a craft or whether it's through um, a particular talent that she has. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Do you have any kind of insight? I do. Um, okay. Yay. I figured you might. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug, joinmelanatedmoms.com. Um, you'll be able to do all those things there. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, uh, incorporate your kids. When you create your business plan, you have to know that your business surrounds all of that, right? So it surrounds the way that you mother your children. It surrounds the way that you take care of them. And it helps them understand the importance of the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, like if you know, like, you know, the things that I do here um, with public policy and advocacy work, eight times out of 10, my kids are there. Mm-hmm. And I, I intentionally want them to be there because I want them to understand how significant it is to have a voice in the space where people don't look like you, but mm-hmm. you still come in that room, right? Um, when it comes to building businesses and 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 looking at, you know, what it takes to to be an entrepreneur, it's long hours, it's days where you're you're uncertain, it's peaks and valleys, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to look at your children as a part of that motivating factor, you know, so you're creating your craft or you're investing your time and learning more about the skill that you want to perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you're figuring out your pricing based on the things that you want and based on the things that you need for those kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so we have a so your time to- takes on a whole new light when you become a mom. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We have that tendency of thinking, you know, um, hourly, this is how many hours I have to put in, in order to make X, Y, Z. But like you said, like your time is incredibly valuable. It's the only thing you cannot ever get back. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting in 10 hours into your business, how is that 10 hours going to benefit your children? Mm -hmm. How is that 10 hours going to enhance the way your business can grow, but also give your kids that area of legacy to where they know that my mom is putting these hours in because she's creating a new narrative for, for what our life is going to look like. And whether you're a single mom, a married mom or anything in between, you have the ability to change the world with your children. Don't do Mm -hmm. it in spite of them or don't do it because, Oh, I need a job. You, your money, the money, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it anyway. Speak the, the money, truth. That's that's why you're here. That's why we that's are here. here. The money is the bonus. Everything that you do, if you're doing it from your heart and you're doing it out of understanding how it's connected to your purpose, the money will always come. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. not come when you want it. It may not come as quickly as you want it. It may not even be the amount that you want initially. But I promise you, the money will always come. I feel um, like that was amazing. I don't feel I don't see anything <laughs> that was like off with any of that. Well, you know, I say that because there are a lot of women who go into entrepreneurship and they look at it from the angle of employment. And ah, an entrepreneur okay. and an employee, I see what you did there. Right. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, so right. an entrepreneur and employee are two completely different people. Absolutely. They mm-hmm. both are very valuable, but the productivity that you put into being an employee is much different than the productivity you put into being the owner. Right. Your, your sense of value and um, understanding how, as you grow and your scalability and sustainability all depends on you as that visionary, mm-hmm. you move different. Right. You know? 
you you have to know which things you need to have as an investment versus which things you might need to learn how to do on your own until you can invest in it. Right. Right. And then leveraging skills and being able to uh, delegate because I can be good at a lot of things, but I have also gotten really good at knowing what I'm not good at. So that's where I enlist help and assistance and it's okay to do so. I don't know why we feel like we have to be these super women and just do every single thing, wear every single hat a hundred percent of the time, because as you spoke about earlier, that's just not realistic or effective. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, I mean, and I mean, I think that's what, that's what mompreneurship is, right? It's learning how to build your empire, your legacy with your kids um, and knowing that it's a process, just like raising your kids, just like, you know, all of the things that we've been touching on, you know, everything is an evolution. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn how to incorporate all of these parts of who you are, including your children into your business plan never ever leave your kids out of the business plan and like you know for me um you know of all of the titles and things that um we talked about at the beginning mm-hmm. um you know uh my self-sufficiency coaching program it helps moms to actually learn those lessons you know i help them to break down what is your idea what is the thing that drives you that you wish that I, I wish I could actually implement this. And mm-hmm. I, I help them to take those concepts and turn them into an actual visual business plan. You know, so it's not just words on a page. It's actually visualizing what it is that you said you want to do, putting it in the context of, wow. Action steps. Yes. Mm-hmm. But knowing it all is a process. So right. I don't tell people and tell them in 30 days, you're going to be a millionaire. That's not realistic. What I do tell them is, here's the step to go from A to B to C. Mm -hmm. After you get to this point, how far do you want to go? How much time do you want to devote to this? And then I give them additional steps on how to keep doing that, you know, and it works. And and as they're doing that, I'm doing, I'm working those same steps myself, you know? So again, when I started this, this business, the plan was not for even to, it to be a business. It was just to be a mommy meetup group, but it's been able to grow into this amazing platform where I wrote a book. I created an advocacy program. This program is not just being delivered on a state level, but we're getting national recognition. Excuse me. I'm receiving awards for my work. I'm having all of these amazing accolades come from me literally just learning how to turn my passion from my passion to purpose. And then it became amazing profit. You know what I'm saying? But that was never my initial goal. It just happened to be a really awesome bonus. So, you know, I think about it all the time, you know, how much I value my work as an employee, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I'm really going to be as devoted to someone else's dream, because everything that we do, whether we want to think about it from this angle or not, Every job we had started with somebody as an entrepreneur, having this crazy idea to do something that other people never did before. If I can go after somebody else's dream and that and that became my employment, why can't I do that for myself? With the same tenacity. Even more. Mm-hmm. Because I know that the, the, re- the return on that investment is going to be even better than any bonus anyone can give me. 
because I did it, you know, and I'm, I'm able to do that with other moms and other women who look like me, who also have those same goals as I do. So, you know, as I'm building, they're building too, you know, and I'm, I'm never worried about, um, oh, she's my competition or, you know, we have the same, we are serving the same people. Like, sis, it's all room for everybody to eat. My competition, I'm, I'm trying to be a better version of who I was yesterday, last month, last year. I want to look back and say, look at my growth, mm-hmm. but not have to compare my growth to somebody else's because their journey is theirs, just like mine is mine, you know? Absolutely. But, yeah, but you can't put the money at the, at the forefront. If you only chase the money, it'll burn you out quicker than anything else. Right. That's where your purpose and your passion comes in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really taking a good, deep look at what those things are and then moving from that place as opposed to starting at the end and trying to work backwards. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's fun. It's, it's literally fun seeing seeing how these things grow. Um, but you got to be you got to be ready and, and know that it is uh, it is a, a long game. A lot of businesses, regardless of how much funding you have or how clear your vision is for your business plan, a lot of businesses do not thrive until the first two to five years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's really based on consistency and, Mm -hmm. and learning your craft and investing in your business. You are your very first investor. If you don't invest in the things that you're doing or, um, or uh, know how much money from your own pocket needs to go into making your business thrive. Nobody else will, and nobody else is going to uh, fund you. You know, you got to know how to keep that going. But it, it requires the same type of uh, devotion that you give to that job, but give it to yourself. No, I feel like that is a message. And Jay, I feel like you and I have such an amazing synergy. And I feel like we can definitely continue speaking for hours. And so what I would like to do is um, invite you to come back if you're willing to do so, because I just feel like there's so much more that you have to share. And I don't want it to feel like it's limited that, you know, we just have to cover everything this episode. So I just want to tell you how grateful I am for your time. And with, especially in light of everything that you're doing and all the women that you're working with and serving and uplifting and inspiring. I know in this exchange, I was absolutely inspired and (laughs) I'm motivated after speaking with you. So I just feel full and I am again, just, I just have so much gratitude. No problem, girl. You know, anytime this is, first of all, I talk all day. So that's, this is the easy part. (laughs) I I agree. You know, I I enjoy talking to you. I I always, you know, I randomly text. I'm like, how you doing? How's the baby? Right. Those things are important to me. It it really does. uh, I I really do love like having that connection and, and that level of community. You can't, you can't buy that. You can't like fake that. So I, I, whenever you need me, I'll figure out how to make it work, but absolutely. I'll come back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Well, before you go, though, I would like everyone <laughs> to make sure that they know how to find you and how to connect with you and Melanated Mom. So if you could share your social media, that would be amazing. Absolutely. So you can find me on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest. I'm pretty sure some other ones in there. Uh, I think I said Twitter already. Um, at Melanated Moms, M-E-L-I-N-A-T-E-D-M-O-M-S. You can also find us on our website at www.melanatedmoms.com and become a member. This community is so dope. So yeah. It is. Yes. It absolutely is. I'm so grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Village, that is another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, I am your host, Tasha, and I will see you all next week. So until then, peace, love, happiness, and all of the good vibes.